We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, higher than you in the GPP standings and in the leaderboards today. It wasn't yesterday. I, I only played a couple of lineups yesterday. We had crunch time. The, the premium show, we had to do baseball and basketball. It was like an hour and a half long show. So uh, I don't like tinkering with my lineups while I'm in the middle of doing a show. So I, I didn't play that much yesterday. But uh, but what, what I normally do, this, this is what I do on the pregame show. I do what I normally do in the morning as a DFS player. I go through results DB, which is free on rotogrinders.com and see what some of the top players did. How did they construct lineups? Where did they get leverage? And then I learn better on how to make those types of decisions on future slates. Doesn't doesn't mean that uh, you know I, I should have played uh, James Paxson yesterday, but I just want to see how did the top players handle James Paxton? How did they handle the chalk? And then wh- how did they get leverage in large field GPPs to get different? So this is what I do in the morning, and then I then I check out you know today's slate and see what's going on. So this is my first look, also, and then uh, interact with the with the YouTube people. If you're on YouTube watching now, hit that thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold. Keep Devin's uh, coffee hot. I think he had his coffee in a mason jar today. I don't. I, I, I'm I'm not buying it. And he had to unscrew it or something like that. How long is was that sitting around? I have no idea. But if you want to keep it hot or cold, I don't know, maybe it's an iced coffee. Who knows? If you want to do something with Devin's coffee, hit that thumbs up button. But we got the YouTube people here. Zach Hobbs is here. WM Frank, Joe Babcock, Tony Tischauser. We got Robert Gall here. How's it going? Right? Doing some learning in the morning. That's what we do on this show. So so on yesterday, uh, yesterday's slate was uh, with an eight-gamer. Right, eight-game slate. Uh, practically a seven gamer because the seven inning uh the Phillies and uh, the Braves game was on the slate so uh I, I wouldn't expect much ownership in that game uh but uh taking a look across the board DeGrom was uh the de facto SB1 on DraftKings uh, a little bit of a scare 
in the third inning. He got like a blister or something. He almost came out of the game. Uh, it's not like he put up a great score, but uh, you didn't really need great scores at pitching yesterday. I mean, he was 60% owned in, in, uh, in the main GPP on DraftKings. Uh, put up 17.85 points, which is fine. I mean, the big dud probably chalk-wise was Andrew Heaney because uh, he had that bad inning before he came out of the game. But but for the most part, I mean, I see across the board, like the, most of the top players still played the grum. More of them faded Sonny Gray, who got you 12 points, which is like the end of the world, but he was 32% owned. So I saw more top players eat the DeGrom chalk at 60% and then try to get different. Instead of playing the two chalkiest starting pitchers, go off the board a little bit more. I mean, some played Heaney. So, I mean, if you if you played lineups yesterday with any of these top, like, four, pretty much, DeGrom, Gray, and a cheaper stack, DeGrom, Heaney, or DeGrom, Woodruff, with, like, a mid-range stack, that was kind of like the chalky construction. If you went off the board and played an Eovaldi, who did well, that made you different. Paxton, that made you different. Turnbull, that made you a little different. Lynn even, I mean, Lynn got up to 18% ownership because, I mean, that seemed like the natural pivot from Sonny Gray. Or are you using Lance Lynn as your SB1? But I'm just looking at construction-wise because if you're playing like I slew foot you, you're playing only 54% the Grum, and you're playing a lot of Paxton. Paxton Morton, you know, Paxton or Morton. I mean, Morton came out of the game, so, I mean, that, that killed a third of his lineups. But that means you can play chalkier bats. Okay, so that's what I'm looking at at pitcher distribution here. So, so Degrom, Giants win with Degrom Gray. I'm, I'm going to expect from him more contrarian stacks. I'm going to expect from uh, Brick seventy five, Degrom Heaney, a little bit more off the board stacks. Yet I sleuth at you, probably play chalky Boston, play chalky Minnesota, chalky Detroit, possibly, right? But in the cases where, where like RBX. You know, playing a lot of DeGrom, a lot of Lynn. So that's going to be cheaper stacks. But the Lynn leverage, maybe you could play a little bit more Detroit, right? Who was kind of the de facto cheap chalk yesterday. So just looking at this, I think Paxton was a great GP play yesterday. Many of the top players did not play Paxton. You know, two pass starts, velocity problems. You know, people were off of him. But at his price, if he was if he's the old Paxton, he was, I mean, Look what he did. He struck out 11 at 3% ownership. So if you, if you took that chance, you got rewarded. Similar for like Ivaldi against the Blue Jays in Fenway Park. 6% owned, but the Blue Jays strike out a lot. So if you took that chance, you you got rewarded. Okay, just don't just go by, oh, the past two games, we saw that with Tyler Chatwood. Oh, he changed his pitch mix. He's striking out 10 a game, and then the Royals light him up. Right, we're going to see that today. We're going to see that today with Lance McCullers. Okay. Lance McCullers today, if you saw the past two starts, walk in the moon, uh, it, it doesn't seem to have it. Uh, he could easily come out and just, just strike out eight guys. Yeah, he could easily come out and do horrible also. But I think the recency bias on McCullers on, on today's slate is going to severely deflate his ownership. So that's why I'm looking to exploit that. I don't know what's going to happen today. I have no idea, but I know that McCullers will probably be low, much lower owned because the past two starts uh, were not good. So now I'm going to check out the, the batting stacks from these players. How did they handle the chalk? Because the chalk yesterday was was with these guys, pretty much. Scope, Kepler, Crone, Verdugo, 
kind of Boston, Detroit, Minnesota. We could see up here, right? Conforto was cheap. So, I mean, he was a little bit more owned than I thought he would be. A V-led catcher, right? So we're seeing Minnesota, Detroit, 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 Boston, Boston, Detroit. But like, what do they do? If you see across the board, a lot of lower on, on scope, a lot of lower on Kepler, a lot of lower on Crone, a lot of lower on Verdugo. Bats are, are the most variant in, in all of MLB DFS on an eight-game slate. Like, most batters are going to get three, four, five at-bats, right, depending where they are on the order, home, road, you know, obviously pinch hit risk, that type of thing. And it's very easy for a chalk batter to just go 0 for 4 and get zero points or go 1 for 5 with a single and just get three points as opposed to a pitcher, which they're going to pitch 90 pitches, 100 pitches, a couple of innings, more likely to hit their median than batters. So in GPP, most of the time, like if you see on an eight-game slate that guys are going to be over 20-plus percent owned, like you're, you're looking for opportunities to get off of that. Doesn't mean you play zero, but it means maybe you don't play Kepler as a one-off in otherwise chalky lineups or Crone as a one-off. Verdugo was cheap, so I can at least get that a little. But we see at shortstop, we didn't have much to choose from. Goodrum, Bogarts, Polanco. But you could always fill them in your stacks. So you could go under on Goodrum. If you're not playing Tigers stacks, you don't necessarily have to play Scope and Goodrum. Even though they probably were the best projected plays in the middle infield. But if they put up no points, I mean, you could get some utility hitting. I mean, we could go down here at shortstop. I mean, Bo Bichette ended up doing well. He was expensive. So at shortstop, Mondesi. I mean, he put up seven points, but I mean, he did lower ownership than Goodrum, who put up zero. Scope put up four. So if I'm looking down at cheaper second basemen and shortstops. So let's go down this list. Cheaper second baseman is Kevin Newman, put up five points, but he cost you nothing, so you could have played him. Mike Brousseau, obviously, he put up 21 points. He was 5% owned. Cheap second baseman, cheap shortstops. Nicky Lopez put up seven points for, like, 3K salary. You could have used him in a, in, a, in a Royal stack. Andres Jimenez, 22 points in a Mets stack. Right? These are typically not the guys that you target in these stacks. But if you're going to play a five-man Met stack, why not Why not play Andres Jimenez? If you're going to play a five-man uh, Royal stack, why not play Nicky Lopez instead of playing Chalk Goodrum or Chalk Scope or something like that? That's, that's the mindset in lineup construction. Sure, in a stack, go for it. You can play some of them. Like if you play a really wacky off-the-board stack and it needs a second baseman, fine. Throw in Chalk Scope. Throw in Chalk Kepler or Crone at first base. But you see the top players, they don't do that. They, You see chalk batters, they're going to go way under. So, like, what did, what did guys like this do instead of playing the chalk? So, we look at Giant Squid. I'm going to sort by ownership. You know, he went a lot with the Angels. They were, look, 5% Otani, 5% Listella. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume Trout was only 8% owned. So he won a lot of this or won a lot of, uh, you know, he still played Avila. Yeah. Over the field on Avila still played some twins, but went like Buxton instead of Kepler as much. I mean, he still played plenty of Kepler. You could see Adam Frazier at second base, right. As a one-off or something. Right. I mean, we see some pirate stacks here. 
How did he get different? Yeah, playing Tommy Lastella at second base instead of Scope at 5% owned. Adam Frazier at 6% owned. 11 points, 18 points. Get off the Scope chart. Not saying that Scope was a bad play. It's just that he was chalky at 33% owned in baseball. Ricky D at zero Kepler. Went heavy on the Rays. Didn't pan out. I mean, he got so he got low and 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 Brussel, but Renfro got a zero. Meadows didn't make, I mean, didn't make salary at five points. Zanino, two points a catcher, wasn't gonna cut it. Margot, right? He just went, okay, did they're under-owned against against Paxton, right? Going with the the fact that maybe Paxton doesn't have it. Because you could have gone either way. If you thought, if you thought Paxton was dust, right? Velocity problems, he's gonna get killed then you should be playing Tampa. If you think Paxton could possibly still be the real deal, you should have been playing Paxton. To play neither seemed stupid if you're playing, you know, 150 lineups. They played a lot of, a lot of uh, Toronto also. So how to get off the board? Detroit, Boston, Minnesota with a chalk. So how did they handle it? By not playing them as much. Yeah, still at C.D. Crone, still at Kristen Stewart, but a little of them. Brick 75. A little bit more of a portfolio strategy, a lot more Moreland, right? Kind of stack the, the Boston-Toronto game here, right? Even like with bottom of the order guys, like Jackie Bradley even, or Zui Win, you know, Zui Lin. I mean, didn't do anything, but try to get different that way. I slew foot you, Right? Played more of the chalk, but you remember his pitching exposure was contrarian. So he was playing Verdugo, Devers, hit a home run. Played the Twins. Played the Red Sox. Still didn't play that much uh, not, that much of the Tigers. It didn't have to. Without playing that much DeGrom, you, you had the salary. You didn't have to go down in the dumpster and pay for Tiger stacks. RBX. Mets. Mets were a cheap stack. If you were, were to pivot off, if you were going to still play a top two pitcher lineup like uh, DeGrom and Gray and not and get off of the, the Tigers chalk, you had to go to pretty much like the Royals or the Rays or the Mets. Those were the cheaper stacks. So that's what RBX 88 did. Went with a lot of the Mets stacks. Right, we can see that right here. A lot of the Royals stacks. All right, just, just as I said, and here you go. Here's some Tampa. Right, pretty much played DeGrom, Ray, you know, DeGrom and, and Sonny Gray, and then the cheap stacks that were not Tigers. We go down here, we still, we, we, we don't even see many Tigers at all. Yeah, still had some Crone, still had 6% scope down here, Romine, 6%. So he still had some, but way under the field. And JK123 went to, went to Tampa Bay route. Played a lot more Sal Perez, went to Royals. Still played plenty of scope. Right? Probably played Brousseau in a lot of third base lineups. Right? Played a third base Dozier, Royals, and then also some Mets. And we see some Conforto, some Smith. So similar mentality. Play the chalk pitchers, get off the cheap chalk stack. Playing the Royals, playing the Rays, playing the Mets, which is very similar to what I did yesterday also. But I didn't play the Rays. I played the Royals and the Mets, but not the Rays. But I only played six lineups. So we see here, this is what we learn. It doesn't mean that, uh, that you know, they picked the right team or whatever. It also doesn't mean, oh, what can we do for today based on yesterday? No. 
Just thinking in terms of who will be the chalk and how do I handle it? How do I handle the chalk pitcher combination? How do I handle today? The chalk is going to be the Diamondbacks on DK. They didn't price them up for cores. So how are you going to handle the Diamondbacks today? That's going to determine your lineup construction in GPPs. Do you eat the Diamondbacks chalk? Well, then how do you how do you make yourself different? How do you get leverage? Do you fade the Diamondbacks chalk completely? Then it's like, okay, now it's a little bit easier to get leverage. Now I can kind of go wherever I want. Or in between of, I still want to play Diamondbacks, but not in a stack. How do I play one-offs and three-mans of the Diamondbacks and still get enough leverage in the stack that I play? Those are the those are the things that you have to think about. Same for pitching. How are you handling Corbin? How are you handling Gibson? How are you handling Keuchel? Or Dustin May even, right? Because we'll have to wait for ownership projections to come out. But how do you handle those, those things? How in large field GPPs versus small field GPPs? In small field GPPs, you don't need as much leverage. So maybe you can play a Diamondback stack and then get a little off the board and be fine in a 800-man GPP. In a 20,000-man GPP? How do you play the Diamondbacks? You find a 1% owned, you know, one-off. You probably need a lot more leverage there. Or fade the Diamondbacks completely. You could do that. You could do that in small field. You could say, screw it. I'm going to fade the Diamondbacks completely. And once you fade the Diamondbacks, you probably, in a small field GPP, can do whatever you want. Like, don't even worry about ownership at that point. Like, you've already faded most, most of the chalk. So just like whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever pitchers, good batter combination you want to make, it, it's probably good enough leverage. You're, you're fading all the chalky hitters. But if you want to play one of them, which one do you play? So I, so go, going in, I, I'm looking at the weather report. We may have some problems in Detroit, the White Sox Detroit. That may affect Keuchel pitching-wise. I don't think you're playing Fulmer or, or Norris, whoever, whoever, whatever they're going to do in Detroit today. That's what I see. And then uh, we get some yellow. I mean, obviously, Roth is going to update this uh, later in the day. Hoping the storms just stay south of Boston. I hope I hope they do, too. It's good hitting weather. I, I like the Rays today. They project well. This is what I'm looking at. But going back into the YouTube chat, hit that thumbs up button. Aaron Neal keeping that coffee hot, baby. Thank you. Uh, we got uh, known K-Town's finest 26. We got Jim Steele here. Wall Street Russ, Cameron Baldwin. Robert Gall says, if you've been off the chalk Boston bats this year, you've likely had a really good year. That's been your approach. Yeah. I mean, Ben Attendee's like one for a million, right? I mean, that they, they performed, but not as a stack. Like, like Devers hit a home run yesterday. Like Moreland hit two home runs yesterday, but the stack failed. Like the Boston has been better seemingly this year as one-offs. And then you just have to guess which one which ones are going to do well. Is it going to be Bogarts today? Is it going to be J.D. Martinez today? But probably not all of them together. But, but I mean, we're just looking at what? Two weeks, two and a half weeks of sample? Who knows? Do you take hitters playing over only seven innings? No. Not when they're priced for nine innings. Okay? Understand that, okay. Understand that the road team, the road team at most is going to get seven innings worth of at-bats. The home team could get six innings worth of at-bats if they're up. Like, if you're stacking the, the home team, most likely, if they're going to do well enough for you to win a GPP, like, that means they're, they're, they're going to be winning the game, probably. 
So they're only going to get six innings of at-bats. That's two-thirds of a game, as opposed to seven-ninths of a game for the road team. So that's so the road team players' plate appearance expectation goes down by 22%. The home teams goes down by 22% or 33%. So we can make a case for playing hitters in seven-inning games if their prices are 22 to 33% discounted. Yesterday, Bryce Harper was 5,200 at home in a seven-inning game. There's no chance I play. Like, he may only get two at-bats. He may get three. Three would be the most likely, but he's not. He's probably not getting four. But he's priced as if he's getting four or five at-bats. If you told me Bryce Harper was 3,700 yesterday because of the seven-inning game, okay, maybe now we could start talking. I'd still say that his ceiling is low because he's going to probably miss a plate appearance or two, but at least then he's only 3,700. Acuna was like 5,500 yesterday. I don't, I just, you can't play them at those prices. Like if they were 22 to 33% discounted, sure, okay, now we can start talking. There's no, there's no way. Just uh, if they, hey, if in if it's six innings, the Phillies put up 14 runs, and the two percent of lineups that have them win, then so be it. Then I lose that day. Just not going to happen often enough. I'm not going to pay those prices. Uh, how to play a 5,000 entry GPP with an Arizona stack? That's like a medium. Dave Jones asks. That's like a medium field. Whatever. Figure out how much leverage do you need. If you're going to go with an Arizona stack, you're going to need to get off the board. Even in a 5,000 entry GPP, it may not be 20,000. You're going to have to get off the board somewhere. You have to look at ownership and say, like, I'm going to look here. This is the bat projections, by the way, right? Escobar is going to be chalk at third third base. Calhoun, right? If we look at Cheese's Goods core plays, okay, right? I mean, I agree with that. And the bat agrees with it. Pilar, uh, Kevin Pilar probably is a one-off if he leads off against Yarborough at 3,000 for Boston. He'll be chalky. Starling Marte will still be chalky, even at 4,700. Christian Walker, he projects well. So, like, if, if you're going to play an Arizona Diamondback stack and you don't play Pilar with that stack, even though he's cheap at 33,000, because you're just adding more chalk to it. And don't go in and go, I'm going to play Corbin and Gibson. I don't know if you, I don't even know if you can do that combination. I don't, I don't know if you could pay up for Corbin in a Diamondback stack. Yeah, you can if you yeah you can if you play Pilar, but now you, you're you're making a cash lineup. You're not going to win a five thousand entry GPP that way. How could you play a die? Or you could do the opposite. You could say uh, instead of playing Christian Walker, I'm going to play Jake Lamb. I'm going to play the bottom of the order. I'm going to play Nick Ahmed. So I'm playing a, a Diamondback stack, but I'm playing the the lower order hitters to get lower ownership. They're still going to be owned but not as high-owned as the, the top of the order. Tony Tishauer says, your advice yesterday what was was that you would take the higher-owned starting pitcher with the lower-owned hitters. Can you explain the reasoning on this? The example was the Grum and Sano versus Gray and Nelson Cruz was on FanDuel. Uh, pitchers are less variant than hitters. I mean, I explained it before. If I see a hit, if I see a bat that's 30% owned, I could find someone else that's going to get four at-bats, right? In the span of four at-bats, a hitter hitter's results could be very wide range of outcomes. 
So Kepler's going to be 26% owned. And I, I used it in the bat chat the other day, uh, Brandon Lau. If Lau's going to be 5% owned, like they're both probably going to get four at bats. And yes, Kepler is in a vacuum, a, a better projected play for the price. Yes. in for yesterday's slate, but not five times. I mean, they're going to, they're both going to get that four at bats. So in the span of four at bats, Brandon Lau could hit a home run and Kepler could go over four very easily. Starting pitchers are less variant. The Grum is going to be the Grum most of the time. Sonny Gray is going to be Sonny Gray most of the time. They're going to pitch 100 pitches, 80 to 100 pitches. You get a lot, lot more of a sample size in one game. Not four at bats, but 100 pitches. Five, six innings pitched. So when choosing between do I play play the chalky pitcher and get leverage at bats or do I play the chalky bat and get leverage at pitcher? It's almost always going to side with the pitcher yesterday. I mean, you could see, we, we look at results DB. We could see that's what that that's what most top players do. It makes sense. They went over the field and the grum. Some, some of them locked them in hundred percent of lineups. And then went under on the chalk bats scope, Kepler, Crone, Verdugo, Goodrum. They're all lower. For the most part, some some people went a little bit more, but I mean, I know I just pulled out six, but I looked through like twenty or thirty before I came on this show, and it's mo- it mostly looks like this because on an eight game slate to play a bat that's going to be in a third of lineups, four at bats, anything can happen. Take Adam Frazier instead, right? You could you could take. There's plenty of other second basemen that you take. You don't need Jonathan Scope in all your lineups. You can have him in some but you probably want to be under the field on chalk bats and you don't mind being over the field on chalk pitchers. So that that's, that's the general concept that pitching is going to be less variant than hitting. Hitting is going to be very variant. That's why when I, when I, when I see, when I see people chalk stacks, chalk hitters, that that's in MLB, it's the easiest G, large field GPPs. It's just, it's so easy. I have no problem Xing out teams. There, there are slates where where teams will be super high owned. Like I remember there was like there was like a slate in two a, a span of two or three games where Minnesota, where the Twins were priced a little too low, and they were shocked like two or three slates in a row. I just X them out. Just no, I didn't play any of them. Just literally X them out, and then played every everything else. Uh, well, how do you do? They project so well. It's like, they're still batters. They didn't do well. All three slates, they they failed as a stack. Individual hitters, they did okay, but the stack failed. And I didn't play any of them. Just X them out if you want. I mean, that, that's a more risky strategy rather than, I'll take bits and pieces. Like today, if you wanted to, if you wanted to X out the Diamondbacks, I think that's perfectly fine. Go for it. Large field GPPs? Just completely X out the Diamondbacks. They're going to be the chalk. They're going to be high owned. And maybe they fail as a stack. Maybe they fail as individual. Maybe you don't need them, right? They put up they put up five runs and you just don't need them. It's not like they put up zero, but eh, they, they really don't. No home runs. Highest scoring player puts up 12 points. You don't really necessarily need the stack or the individual batters. And they're all going to be 15, 20, 20. Who knows how old they're going to be? You can just X them out if you want. Or you could have them in your player pool and use them as one-offs. Okay, you could do that around contrarian stacks. 
both both are both are viable. Not neither one is better than the other. It's how do you handle them? But they're going to project well, and they're going to be the chalk. So if you're going to go in and play a twenty thousand person, thirty thousand person GPP, and go, well, I got to play the Diamondback stack, and I got to play Kevin Pillar today, and I got to play Gibson and Corbin today, like. You shouldn't be playing a 30,000 min GPP with that type of lineup. Like you're, you're, you're playing all the chalk. How do you get different? Wall Street Russ asks, how do you reason why you don't play much on FanDuel? Uh, because it's hard to deal with two sites at once. That's that's a better way of putting it. When I do play on FanDuel, typically it's a it's single entry. I'm playing one lineup or two lineups. I'm playing like a higher dollar type of, type of GPP. And DraftKings are more likely to play 100 lineups. I do it because I, I it's, it's hard. It's hard to manage multiple sites at once. And there have been plenty of times that I've tried to do that. I've built, I put in 100 lineups on DraftKings, 50 lineups on FanDuel. And I'm working an hour before lock. And I forget about my FanDuel lineups. I literally just forget about it. Lock comes. I, I'm fine with DraftKings. I, oh, yeah, I, I, I entered. I have a, just a train, I have a dummy lineup train of 50 lineups and then a contest. And hopefully it min caches or something like that. Or I switch out, I late swap if, you know, certain players didn't start on time. I just forget too often because it's so that that's going to cost me money. So if I'm going to play multiple sites, I'm going to focus on one site and then maybe play one lineup, play a $100 single entry on FanDuel, you know, play the whatever, 444 or something, something like that. Play the this mid-stake $66 contest on FanDuel. Or just don't play it at all. I prefer DraftKings. But I mean, DraftKings, I prefer DraftKings over the long run because I think it's a better interface and I, and it, they, they have a better soccer product. That's And that's where I started in DFS soccer. So I'm used to DraftKings. Just wanted to hear the process for a FanDuel. It's the same process. None of the strategy changes based on site. Other than on FanDuel, you can't play a five-man stack, right? You play one pitcher, you could play at most a four-man stack, and you get a utility spot. That's it. Getting lever- Finding leverage and, and <laughs> is the same thing, regardless. Correlation and leverage. You're probably on FanDuel playing a 4-4 or a 4-3-1 lineup in large field GPPs. Pitcher is more important on FanDuel because you only get one of them. So it's more likely that you're not punting at pitcher. More likely, you're not you're like today in today's slate. If we look at at pitcher today, it's probably more likely you're going up and getting a Corbin, right? You're not you're not gonna like I'll 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 have a Logan Webb lineup, but you're probably not. You probably want as much strikeout upside in your lineup as possible. On DraftKings, you have to play two pitchers, so a lot of times you may like yeah oh, I like my SP one, but my SP two is that plays don't get killed, right? You're playing those types of lineups. So Fanduel, you don't have to worry about that as much. Do you suggest a Colorado and Arizona stack in a eleven to two dollar GPP? It's going to be tr- how are you getting different? How are you getting different? You're playing a core stack in, on a chalk core slate. Would I suggest it? I wouldn't do it, but I mean you can if you could find a way to get different. Because even at the eleven twelve hundred man two dollar GPP, like you could do that if you fade the top of the order. Then okay, in an eleven hundred man GPP, right? If you're going to play Ahmed, like if you're going to play a lineup, let, let's go through a lineup right here, a lineup preview on the side, okay? Because if you're going to go, like if I go to Arizona right here, go to their projected order, 
Like if you're going to play Cole Halhoun, Escobar, Marte, Walker, if, you, if you're going to look like this, if you're going to play a five-man lineup like this, even like vote. Let's say we put vote in instead of, uh, instead of Kettle Marte. Let's say we put in vote. Like even this is going to be too short. Like this is, so don't play Walker, play Lamb, right? Don't play Starling, play Kettle. It's leading off. I mean, it's kind of disjointed, right? Instead of playing Escobar, like you're kind of going up and down. Like instead of doing this, you're going to go like kind of wrap around. Ahmed, where's Ahmed? Right here. You're playing a seven, eight, nine, one, two. Now, now you've gotten different enough for for a 1,200 person contest. You're still playing Chalk Arizona, but you're not playing Escobar. You're not playing the middle of the order. You're playing kind of the wraparound. Then you could do, but even even in a large field GPP, this is this is still these guys are still going to be owned on Arizona. But here's a way that you could still play Arizona as a stack and get different. But you still probably have to find some leverage plays elsewhere. All right, if we go to pitcher, let's say we're let's say we're gonna play uh Cor- can we play Corbin and Gibson even in this lineup? They're at 36 67. You got you need cheapy guys now. So let's say you don't play Corbin and you play play Keichel instead. Okay, you got 45 33. Right. So now now you're gonna go and you're gonna play tr- cores again. You're gonna play more cores. I don't know who would be here. Who can you afford? Even with this. Like you play Arenado. You got 36.50 left. Right? You're gonna still fill it in. I mean, this could still be chalky enough. I mean, you can do it. And then you play Pilar, because now you have to go to Pilar. Now you have to play Pilar for the for the savings in the in the outfield. And you have 4,300 left. I I still think this is too chalky. I mean, you could do it. I think Pilar is going to be too... If he's batting first for Boston, he's going to be high-owned as a 3K player. I mean, Lamb will decrease your ownership. Alamed will decrease your ownership. I mean, we're not playing Escobar, but you're playing Arenado. I know he's 6,300, but I still... I don't think he comes in at 4% owned, even at 6,300, when the Rockies have the highest team total on the slate. It's not like you're getting any leverage at the pitcher. Keigel will probably be owned. Gibson will be owned. So you're looking here. It's like where, where, where am I getting love? Where am I getting leverage? Enough, even playing the seven, eight, nine, one, two. You have to find someone different than Pilar. I mean, you'd go somewhere else, but it's going to be hard to find a good projected player in the outfield at that price. You play Robbie Grossman instead. That doesn't. I mean, I'm not excited to do that, but I guess you can instead, or play one of one of the one of the Tigers. But you wouldn't play a Tiger across from Keuchel. Instead of playing Arenado, you play you play uh, Jimer Candelario there, and then you go up and you play for pay for Blackman and Dahl, lefty lefty. Okay, that gets you a little bit more leverage. But I'm just viewing like how much leverage do I need for the contest that I'm in? The Diamondbacks will be chalk. That doesn't mean you have to play them. They're they're for a good reason. They're chalk. They're underpriced on DraftKings. And they're the road team in cores against John Gray, who is not all that great. I get it. They could also only score two runs. And everyone that plays the diamond stack, poof, those lineups are dead. And you play something else. And you you could beat everyone else doing it that way. You'd, you can't have a fear of missing out. 
I would have no problem today Xing out the Diamondbacks. Will I do that? I have no idea. I'm just looking at the slate right now. I'm less likely to play stacks. I can tell you for sure on, on this slate. We have a nine-game slate. I'm going to be under on the Diamondbacks. I may not play a Diamondback stack at all. I may mix them in as one-offs, three-mans in a 5-3 type of build. But it's it's likely that I will be under on the Diamondbacks, and it's likely that I will be under on stacks, if not none of them. And if the Diamondbacks put up 12 runs today, then I lose. But if they do well and they're all 20% owned, it's not like, oh, you've won. The Diamondbacks put up 14 runs, and I got five of them. Yeah, well, so does so does 20% of the field. That's not going to win you the GPP. You saw that's the day you got to the minimum cash line. You got to the 2X line. Congratulations. Now it's going to depend on the rest of your lineup. Who's the other three guys and the two pitchers? If you don't get them right, you're min cash. There you go. You played the best stack and you min cash. But if you played, if, if the Diamondbacks fail and you play, for instance, the Astros instead or something, and the Astros are 5% owned, the Astros put up 12 runs. You don't, you don't need as high of a score because they're they're lower owned. The Diamondbacks bust at 20 plus percent ownership. The the score, you don't you don't need a 220 to win an MLB on that in that case. If the Diamondbacks do well, you're gonna need 200 plus to win. Because most most of those points are gonna be in most of the lineups. But the Diamondbacks fail, and and a five percent don't stack does well, the winning score in GPP could be 155. You don't, you don't need them to put up a million points. As long as the chalk fails and you get enough. That's that's the theory of GPP. That's what you do. And you're doing it on a day-by-day basis. So if it doesn't work out today, so be it. Do it the next day. That's why people ask me. It's like, well, what happens if the Diamondbacks do well? Well, then I lose. I lose most days. It's how much do I win when I win? If I'm playing large field GPPs, I'm not playing the min cash. I'm playing the coming first. So over the course of 60, 80 slates, 100 slates, 200 slates, 1,000 slates, make those decisions. And hopefully, I big once every 100 slates, right? A big score, top five score. You know, 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, 100,000. That's what I'm playing for in the large field GPPs. Not to how often can I get 1.5x? You're not going to get it often enough. Ice cold apple juice. Let's uh, don't, let's don't, don't. Gabriel Lazaro, I, I, I have no idea what you're saying. Ice cold apple juice. I, let's, let's don't in, intral. Is he trying to, is he, is he speaking Latin? Is he speaking Latin? Is he, is he speaking in tongues of me? I must, that, that thumbs up button, right? For the, for the, the cold apple juice. Jim Steele asks, what stack do you run the most, 5-3? Or do you like five-man and three one-offs in a large field? Both. It depends. There's no always or never. Okay? There's no, oh, do you like, do what? there's no like or whatever. I am more likely to run five X's, which is five with three one-offs, when I have more one-offs. Let's say today, I wanted to play the Diamondbacks as one-offs. Well, obviously, I can't play five threes with them unless I'm going to use a three-man on the Diamondbacks. So today, if I'm choosing 
to still play the Diamondbacks, but only use them as one-offs, I'm going to build a lot more 5-1-1-1 stacks because that's the only way that I can fit those guys in. Let's say on today's slate, uh, I look at the Angels and I go, maybe I want to play. Let me get to the Angels. Get to the Angels. Let's say, let's say I look at the Angels and go, I don't want to stack them, but maybe I want to play uh, Trout, Rendon, and Upton. But I don't want to play them as a three-man. I don't want to play, I don't, I don't want to put them together. I want to just leave them in my pool as one-offs. Well, I need to build more five one-one-one stacks in order to do that. There are some slates where I don't find one-offs at all. I'm like, I want to avoid games completely. May not be today's slate, but maybe I look at a, look at a game and I look at Seattle, Texas and go, I don't want any of the game. And I look at another game. And I don't want any of the game. And I like, it turns out I'm only playing like four games. Like in all the batters in the other games, I'm just not playing any of them. Well, then I'm more likely to play five threes because I don't have the one-offs from games. I can't play a one-off trout if I'm building all five threes unless I have two other angels in my player pool. So that's what that's what guides me on how much five three versus five one one one. Am I playing one-offs on teams that I'm not stacking? Sometimes there's value. Maybe I'm not stacking the, the 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 Red Sox today. Maybe I'm not. So I go to the Red Sox. And I go, okay, I don't think I want to stack the Red Sox today, but as one-offs, they project not horribly, right? Bogart's in a shortstop position may be needed. Maybe, maybe, maybe Martinez goes, uh, J.D. Martinez goes under-owned. I don't know. I may take a look at this and go, I may not want to stack, but I may want to play some. Well, then I need to make more 5X lineups because if I'm not stacking them, the, the only way that that, that that puzzle works together is if I have 5 one, one, one. If I set If I set my stacks to 100% 5-3 up here and I leave in a Mike Trout as a one-off, he's going to be in 0% of lineups. It can't make, it can't make a 5-3 lineup with only one guy from a team. So that, to me, that's what guides me. It's not, no, oh, well, I look at the slate. It's better for four, two, one slacks. No. It all depends on what player pool I'm going with. Because I exclude everyone to begin with, and then I just bring in the players that I want to play. Zachary Ingber asks, how would you approach the stack exposures tonight on FanDuel compared to DraftKings? Without the five-man, do you use four, 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 four X, four, three? The bigger the slate, the more you should stack. The smaller the slate, the less light, the less important correlation is. The larger the slate, the more important correlation is. The smaller the slate, the less important correlation is. The more games that there are, there's more likelihood that one team explodes for a lot of runs. And the correlation will give you more points because of it. So on FanDuel, on a nine-game slate, you're running 4-4 or 4-3-1. That's it. You're done. It's it's the highest it's the highest win percentage. So I mean that's slate after slate after slate. Yes, you will see other lineup constructions win, but they won't win as often and won't win as much compared to the field as four four or four three one. Until the field stacks more, we could start talking. It's it's twenty twenty already, and the field still does not stack enough. If we got to the point five years from now. That on DraftKings, everyone's stacking five, man. Like, everyone. Then we could start talking about, okay, maybe you don't stack. Just That's how you get your leverage, right? 
it's it, it it's more it's more likely that four four three one may work better. But until then, people don't use correlation enough. They should be, especially in large field GPPs. So on FanDuel, none of this changes. DK FanDuel, none none of the game theory of DFS changes based on site. It doesn't even change based on sport. It's the same regardless. Larger slates, more correlation. Shorter slates, less correlation that you need only because there's less options. On a three-game slate, there's only so much correlation that you could have. And then the correlation is going to be owned. I'm going to stack this team. Well, there's only there's only six teams to choose from. Everyone that's stacking that team is probably playing that lineup. So now you can get off the board and do three, three, twos and two, one, one. You could one off, you know, and, and go pitter-patter and play a batter against your pitcher, but you're doing that to gain leverage. You're not doing it. The correlation would be better, but on a three-game slate, the likelihood of one of the six teams going off is less likely than the slate with 18 teams on. There's just more teams that could go off. How much do you typically limit your player pool in a slate like today? Heavily. I mean, heavily, heavily. Bad or what? Like, here, here, here's an example. I'll, I'll do it very quickly. This is not, I'm doing this purely as an example, just to show you what I do. This is, this would be a simulation of what I do an hour before lock. Okay. I exclude everyone, literally everyone. And I go to the excluded tab. I go, what, what pitches do I want to play? I'm not saying I'm playing these, I'm not saying I'm playing any of these guys. I'm just doing this as an example. Let's say, okay, McCullers, May, Corbin. Gibson, Max, let's just whatever. Five pitchers. There you go. That's all. That's all. That's all in my player pool. That's it. Everyone else, not in my player pool. I go to hitter. I go get rid of this and I go, okay, well, I'm playing Max. So I'm not going to play Washington. I'm playing Corbin. So I'm not going to play the Mets. To go here. Well, did I take Keichel? Maybe I didn't take Keichel, but this game, maybe this game gets rained out. So you don't have to worry about that. So I go to Tampa. I go, okay, I want to stack the hell out of Tampa, right? I don't mind the order. I don't mind the, the outfielders right over here. I go, yum, 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 yum. Give me, give me, give me them. So I got them in my player pool. I got Boston. I don't want to play them as a stack, but I still want Pilar. I'll, I'll take uh, in my player pool. I'll take uh, a, maybe a Chavis, maybe. I'll just do it for as an example. Chavis and a Bogarts. Give me, give me three of them. Okay, then I go to the next. I'm going to get a next. Let's see. Minnesota. Do I want to stack them? I don't think so. But maybe I play Kepler, Polanco, Rosario. Put them in my pool. Milwaukee. I think they're going to be low owned. Maybe I want to play them as a stack. Just using this as an example. Go to their order. They're playing at home. Not a big fan of using Orlando Arcia at the bottom. Maybe I don't use Orlando Arcia at the bottom. So I'm just going to take the top. We got a second baseman. He could play third, Narvaez. So maybe I leave off Arcia. And I just go, okay, I'm going to take Milwaukee, but I'm not going to take Arcia. Then I go to Arizona. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stack them, but I'm going to take them. Put them in my player pool. There you go. Okay. Take Colorado. Maybe I take Story and Arenado at those types of positions as one-offs. I go here. I go to Texas. Maybe I want to stack Texas, right? And they have all, uh, I, I probably have to take them all. So I'm going to, I'll take them all. Here we go. Take them all. Then I move over to San Francisco. Very expensive here against McCullers. I'm playing McCullers. So probably don't take any giants. See the Houston. 
Do I play them as a stack? I don't know. Take a look at the lineup. If Kyle Tucker leads off, I don't mind. So maybe I do play them as a stack. I mean, they don't project all that well, but they'll probably be lower owned. So, okay, I want to eat them. Um, yum, 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 all nine of them. Then I go here. I go to the Dodgers. Maybe I take a Jock Peterson one off. Maybe I take a Bellinger one off and a, and a Muncie, Muncie one off. Do something like that. Go to L.A., Take, take take Trout, take Rendon, take Upton as one-offs. And there you go. I have 63 players in my player pool. This is what, that's what I would do an hour before lock. Doesn't mean I'm going to – this is just for an example. Then I'm going to also go to, to, to the positions, right? I'm going to click all. Now I need to see whether or not I have positional. Okay, I got how many players of each type position are in my pool? So I wasn't thinking about that. Okay, I got five pitchers, uh, five catchers. Okay, which means I'm going to have a lot of these five catchers. First baseman. Okay, I got plenty of first baseman. Second baseman. I got plenty of second base eligible players. Third base. A little bit less, but still plenty, right? I could say, I mean, Escobar is going to be chalked, right? Kiner Falefa. Okay, he's there. Shortstop. Do I have enough shortstops? Yeah, okay. I, 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 could, I could do with that. Price ranges. I got cheap shortstop. I got expensive shortstop. So I'll look at that also, like third base. Expensive third base, cheap third base. Okay. Go to outfield. I probably have plenty of outfielders. That's fine. Right? Even Miles Straws in there. And there you go. There, there is my player pool. 63 batters. Five pitchers. Done. That's what I would be doing. Depending on what I want. Maybe I want to play a giant stack. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going through. I let this with purely, maybe I do want to play a Dodgers stack. But I just showed you as an example of what I do. Like I got Milwaukee in there. I got Arizona in there. I got uh, Tampa Bay in there as a stack. Houston as a stack. And then, then I'll start going through, like, how do I want to organize this? How, how does this all fit together? But I'm looking, I'm excluding 118 players from the batters list. I'm excluding... You know, all these pitchers. I'm playing only the players that I want to play based on projection, based on ownership, based on construction. And I need a cheap pitcher, so maybe I need Mats. Maybe I need a Mats May type of lineup in order to play expensive Houston stack. Because if I get rid of these guys, if I'm like, oh, I'm only going to play Gorbin and Gibson, like I just, I'm not going to be able to play Houston stacks. I'm not going to be able to play Colorado stack. You just, you don't have enough salary. You have to play more cheap stuff. So I need to look at the price ranges and I need to look at the positions to see what goes together. And that's a lot of times how I select my one-offs. If I went, let's say, for instance, I went into to shortstop, which tends to be a weaker position. And let's say I didn't have enough here. I was just like, okay, I, I, I only have three shortstops. So I mean, unless I want to use 30% of each, unless I want to go heavy on these three shortstops, I'm going to need to find the shortstop that elsewhere. So maybe then I go back. I go back to my excluded list. I sort just by the projections, right? Sort by the projections and just go to shortstop and go, do I want to play a Danny Mendick one-off? Maybe not. Do I want to play Lurie Garcia? Trey Turner? Oh, maybe Trey Turner. But I'm playing Mats. Maybe Chris Taylor. I go, okay, maybe I'll throw in Chris Taylor. Right? There you go. I'll look at maybe, maybe, okay, maybe I do need Garcia in a Milwaukee stack, but I, may, I make sure to not have that much of him just so I get enough at a position so I'm not playing like 40% of Xander Bogarts. 
unless I want to. How did how do all the prices and the positions fit together? And that's how I build my player pool. What about a Houston and Arizona stack or Houston and Colorado stack? I don't know how how do you how do you pay for that? You have to play two cheap pitchers. Yeah, you have to be feel free to do it. <laughs> feel free to do it if you don't mind because uh, playing Robbie Ray, playing Justin Dunn, playing Logan Webb. If you're playing Houston, you're probably not playing Logan Webb. A, a Teron or even Hauser is expensive. Dobnak is 7,500. You have to think in terms of, oh, I'd love to play. I'd love to play the Astros and the Rockies today. Well, how do you build that? What pitchers are you playing? Unless you're unless you're fine. I mean, take a look at that. Let's say we do play Houston and Colorado. I mean, Colorado is absurdly expensive. So let's say Houston's the main stack and you're playing Kyle Tucker. <coughs> I don't see how, you, I mean, if you're going to play Houston and Colorado, you're going to have to make a choice between Bregman and Arenado. You're probably going to side with Arenado. So you go Altuve, you go what, Brantley? Correa, and not getting story then. In your Colorado stack, right? You take Maldonado, take Guriel. I mean, like you're you're already at the. I mean, what pitchers do you play? You'd have to play. You have to play whoever's the cheapest pitcher. I mean, you can sure you can. Just I don't know what pitchers you're playing if you do that. That's the main problem. Can you show how you set up your stacks rules? I well depends on the slate. You go into the stacks. Like look. You go into the stacks. Let's say I want to play 50%, 5-3, or 50%, 5-X, right? Use team max exposures by stack type, and I go, and I choose. What do I want to do, right? Like in the example before, I had what? Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay. I had some Milwaukee. I had some Arizona, right? I had some Houston. I ended up with some Dodger stacks, right? So there you go. So now I got I got five of them. So, I mean, if I even them all out, they would all be 20, right? That would make sense. Doesn't mean I play all 20% of each. But if I wanted to play all even, but it all depends on, like, how, how they all work together. Like, I, I probably want to be under on the Diamondbacks. So I probably only play 10% of the Diamondbacks. I may want to be... Uh, over on the Rays because they're cheaper stacks. So I could make a lot more lineups with them. So I go over on them, right? And then maybe I play 20%. I mean, like something like this, right? It equals 100%. Now for my three-mans, I do the same thing. What three-mans? I had some Boston, right? I had some Boston. I had, I had some Minnesota. I already have Milwaukee. I have some Arizona. I have some Colorado, right? For a three-man, have some Houston, have some Dodgers. I also have L.A., but not as a five-man. So what? What is this? There's nine. There's nine, 90% exposure. Then you go and you, what do you want? Maybe up that to 12. The ones that are like up Colorado to 12, Boston to 12, right? See where it comes out to. Maybe I want to be under on Arizona one-offs. Maybe I go go down there and go up on Boston, right? 
see how this equals this should equal 100 right there you go 100 you can go a little bit over these are just maxes and that's what i would do and then i would then then i would build and see how it comes out because i could do this and it comes out and go wow i got 63 percent kevin pillar and it's trying to full jam him into every lineup of mine and then i go into pillar if that happens and I say, maybe I don't, I don't want 60% Kevin Pillar today. Right? Let me get rid of this. Then I go into this. Sort by point per dollar. Right? Maybe I cap him at 10%. And I go, no. And then I run it again. See, see where he shows up in lineups. Then go to those individual lineups when it comes out on the my lineup screen. See, what do, what do lineups with Kevin Pillar look like? If, if it shows Arizona Diamondback stack and Kevin Pillar and Patrick Corbin, then I, then I know that I'm, I'm, my exposures are, are, are done in a way where I'm getting two chalky lineups. So that's now maybe I start talking about groups. Maybe I start talking about uh, making, making Pillar, like I could make a group where like, if Pillar's in the lineup, don't play any Diamondbacks. You know, I could do something like that. If, you know, I could do what? Pillar here, conditional player, zero. And I just start throwing in Diamondbacks, Escobar, Marte, right? All of them, right? I'm not going to put all nine right now. And you go, okay, I'm getting too many lineups where, where Chalk Pilar is going to be in with the Diamondbacks. So let me print a group so that doesn't happen. And I run it again. This button right over here where it says build 100 lineups. Over the course of an hour before lock, I probably pressed that button at least, at minimum, 20 times. At minimum. Most likely, it's closer to 50. And this is me. I'm used to lineup HQ. I'm used to setting everything. I'm not making all these exposures right now. I didn't even set pitcher exposures. I just set my player pool like I did before. Let's see what it looks like. Am I getting too much of something? Am, am I trying to build lineups that are like are impossible to build? Or am I building lineups that are just too easy to build? If I'm getting Mike Trout, if I'm getting Arenado, if I'm getting a lot of expensive 6k players and as one-offs in a lot of my lineups it's mean it means because i'm playing a lot of cheap stacks so that's a sign for me to either lower my exposure on the cheap stacks or i mean i could accept it i go okay i guess i'm playing 32 percent mike trout today or i'm gonna lower my exposure on the cheap stacks so i don't if i lower my exposure on the cheap stacks that means the expensive one-offs those will come down also naturally I'll, I'll raise my exposure on the expensive stacks. And that will also raise the exposure on the cheap one-offs. They all go hand in hand. You only have 50K to, to spend. Now, it works with pitcher as well. If you're playing a lot of expensive stacks, don't be, don't be, uh, don't be wondering what's going on when you, you, when you have a cheap, uh, who's the cheapest pitch? Justin Dunn is in 40% of your lineups because you need a cheap pitch. You need a $5,100 pitcher in order to play those expensive stacks. And if you're playing a lot of cheap stacks, you're not going to see much cheap pitching. You're going to see a lot of Corbin Gibson lineups. Just makes sense. Do you change your max player exposure under build rules? No. You use, use the tools to make the lineups that you want. If you, the best way, I'm going to give you the biggest tip of them all. Okay. When it comes to optimizers, the biggest tip that no one does, 
No one. If you want to use an optimizer, the best way to learn how to use an optimizer is to hand build your lineups. It sounds weird, but it's something that no one does. Now, people hand build their lineups, but not hand build their lineups so they learn how to use an optimizer. Hand build your lineups. Hand build your lineups for weeks. I did not touch an optimizer for over two years. I built, I played 20 max and I built all 20 lineups by hand. I would build 50 lineups by hand sometimes. Built 10 lineups by hand. Didn't touch any, any, no optimizers, no lineup builders, no nothing. I would look at projections and stuff, but I wouldn't use any of the tools. Then once you hand build and you get the sense of what the construct, what constructions do, the optimizer is only going to do what you tell it to do, right? But if you don't understand lineup construction, you, 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 the concept of like, why am I getting so much Mike Trout? Well, you're playing a million percent Tiger stats. And it's, try, and it's, trying, to, it's trying to build $50,000 in salary because you set it to like 49,700 to 550,000. So it's going to try to spend all your salary. You put your number, why am I getting, why am I getting so much uh, uh, the same lineup in one different, like it, it's, it all looks like over. Well, you have a number of unique players as one. Do you want more diverse lineups or do you want less diverse lineups? It's only going to do what you tell it to do. So if you hand build lineups, you learn lineup construction. And once you learn lineup construction, then you could just go in and go, okay, how would I hand build a lineup for today? You go in, you hand build a lineup and you go, how do I build 10 of these? How do I build 20? How do I build this same type of lineup, but with a different stack? What positions do I need? Why is it? Why is it that in this stack, I need to play a shortstop versus in that stack, I should play two outfielders. Well, the more that you hand build lineups, the more that you understand those concepts of, okay, I'm going to go up and down at pitcher. I'm going to punt at catcher. Now, how does this fit in? Now I could fit in this Houston stack. Now I could fit in in these positions. Why am I playing Correa on Houston if I'm playing a Diamondback stack with them? Because you're probably not playing Ahmed because Ahmed would be shortstop eligible. So if you're going to try to play a 5-3, that's why 5-3 with uh, Houston and Colorado, even if you were be able to fit it in, like yeah, you have to make that choice between Arenado and Bregman. And most likely, if I'm going to play Houston, I want to play Bregman. And if I play Colorado, I want to play Arenado. So that lineup kind of doesn't go together as well. But you take a look at other teams. You take a look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay goes well with everyone because they have everyone in their line. They have, every, they have all the positions that you need. Adamas at shortstop. You can play Zanino at catcher. They got first, uh, second, Lau, and Yandy Diaz. You have a lot lot more optionality in, on how you how you make your lineups. So they fit better with other teams. But you know that by hand building. The more that you hand build, you know how the how the puzzle pieces go together. Then once you learn how you get the puzzle pieces to go together, it's much easier to then go, how do I tell this program to do that on at scale? I can build 150 lineups by hand. I could. It just, it'll take two or three hours. I'd rather it take five minutes, right? That's the only reason I'm using, I'm using an optimizer is for efficiency. Not because I, if I could hand build 150 lineups in five minutes, I would. It would be more accurate than try to program. Am I getting too much of this? That's why I run these things multiple times. Okay, let me put my player pool together and the projections and see what comes out. 
what do the projections fit in? And then go, okay, strategically, I don't want to do that. How do I now build my lineups? So it goes against the projections. It's not optimal, but it's correlation and leverage for the GPPs, right? Because based on the projections here, the bat projections, Lance McCullers will be in in 80% of my lineups. Do I want to play 80% McCullers? No. So I got to tell, I got to tell it. I got to tell the tool to not put in McCullers in 80% of my lineups. So what, how many lineups do I want them in? 20%? I mean, you have to make that choice. Then if I put 20%, that means it needs to find another pitcher to jam into lineups. So that's what you do. That's why building, hand building, and then going into, then learning an optimizer. Because then the optimizer, if you don't know how to hand build and have good lineup construction, or just understand the dynamics of lineup construction, then you're gonna you're gonna be lost in here. Then 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 all these things just look like settings to you. They don't look like settings to me. Some slates I may have one unique player. Some slates I may have four. Some slates I may have salary down to there. Maybe I'm using all my salary. Maybe I'm setting an ownership cap. Maybe I'm setting the hitter range of outcomes at twenty four. It all depends on what lineups I'm looking to make. That's what the that's what it depends on. Not. What type of slate is it? No, it, it all depends on what lineups I'm looking to make. If I'm looking, if, I, if for, for some odd reason, I'm getting way too much Kevin Pillar because I have it at 0% optimal and he's the, is the highest projected point per dollar play. So if I leave this as, as 0%, he's going to show up anywhere. So how do I make him not show up anywhere? I could do multiple things. I could move up the range of outcomes. So other outfielders jump up on top of him. I could set a different player exposure for him. I could set a different group. There's multiple ways to do things. But it first starts with, do I want Kevin Pillar in all my Diamondbacks lineups? No. Okay. How do I accomplish that? You have to start with what you want to do first, and then you tell you tell the tool what to do. Most people don't use, they, they go into, they don't understand proper lineup construction, any of the dynamics or any of the strategy of DFS whatsoever. Then they go in the tool and they go, okay, let me, let me go in. Let me hide the sidebar here. I'm going to go in. I'm going to leave my player pool as everyone. I'm going to set, right. Oh, maybe 20 of this. And maybe I want to make sure I have 30% of that. They do that. They go into the stacks. They do something like this. And then they press 100 lineups, and then whatever comes out, they just play. There's no strategy to that. You didn't, you, 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 <laughs> there's nothing. You just, you know, then, you bl- then you blame the optimizer. You do this. Like, let's say we did that. Let's say I'm even going to uh, reset all of these. Okay. 100, and then back to zero, 100, back to zero. So let's say someone goes in, they're like, okay, I'm going to build 100% five, three stacks, because that's what they tell me to play, right? I'm going to go here. I, I want Arizona. Everyone's saying to play Arizona, so I want I want thirty percent Arizona stacked. Uh, uh, Jordan loves Tampa Bay, so I'm going to take thirty percent Tampa Bay stacks. Uh, Min- I, the Twins could always go off, so I'm going to play thirty percent Minnesota, and then the, off the board I'll, I'll play a little bit of Houston or something. They put twenty in there or something. I mean, they'll just bare base eighteen. Who knows, right? Five three. They made like here. I want to make sure to play thirty percent Corbin and not play more than twenty percent McCullers. And that these are the only things that they've done. They go to build rules. They've set the defaults, right? So they're building a hundred lineups with uh, unique players. One, you know, all of this forty nine eight, and then they're just doing this. Now I'm just pressing a hundred, right? So let's see what comes out. 
Let's see what happens. Evan Charisma is the A stack, a good choice tonight. They're going to be low owned. They're going to be expensive. So then here we go. So look, oh, look at all the Diamondbacks to come up, right? Hey, look at this. Here's 100 lineups, right? You got some, you got some White Sox even in here, right? Even though you didn't set any White Sox. All right, White Sox stacks. White Sox with the uh, Diamondbacks. White Sox. Tampa Bay, you got Tampa Bay with the Diamondbacks. You got a lot of Dustin May at pitcher. Got, look, look at how much pitcher ownership you have. You have th- th- three lineups with Tehran, three lineups with, four lineups with Logan Webb, right? And this, this is what'll happen. People will take this and they'll export. They go, I made my stacks. I, I left everyone in my pool. And then Steven Matz gets destroyed. Robbie Ray, look, Robbie Ray's in here. Robbie Ray gets destroyed. And you go, well, I, I had 13% Robbie Ray. That sucks. I didn't even want to play him. So why why was he in your player pool? Take him out. I didn't want to play White Sucks at all, but he ended up, they ended up in my Diamondback stacks, right? Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks did well, but the, the Sox, I'm going to blame the tool. If you want to blame, blame your projections of anything, but you didn't, you didn't do anything. You barely set any type of strategy. You, you, and you, you have to be responsible for your own lineups, right? You get tons of, yeah, tons of Diamondbacks, White Sox. Tons of Diamondbacks, White Sox. Twins, and I, I mean, very not very diverse player pool. A, a player exposed because you you wanted so much Diamondback stacks and twin stacks and race stacks. So they do this and upload it. And then wonder why they didn't win. Why, uh, I, you asked someone, uh, you know, you look at their exposures. Let's say I look through here and I go, uh, why did you have 22% Byron Buxton at the bottom of the lineup? You'd ask them. I'd ask them, why did you have 22%? And they'd go, I don't know. Like if you don't know, then you then then you did something wrong. You should have a reason for every one of your exposures, every one of your lineups. Why'd you play two percent Michael Fulmer? I don't know. It fit. I mean, like, so what's your strategy? You can't just go in and, and, and just oh, just whatever, make a couple of sets. Like you're you have to come up with a strategy first, and then tell lineup HQ how to build the lineups you want to build. Because I've, I've in my head, I've already hand built the lineups. In my head, I've already done it. I've already built my Tampa Bay Houston lineups with uh, with Keuchel and Gibson or something, so I could get Bregman in. I've already built them in my head. I'm just so used to doing it because I've hand built for so long. So there, there, there's my rant. I know we've gone long, but I wanted to get that rant in. Ah. Uh. Ronald Coley, how many lineups do you think you need to give yourself a legitimate shot at winning the GPP? You enter one. The correct answer is one. Okay. So uh, that's it for today. Long, long edition, but uh, thanks for showing up on YouTube. Thumbs up. Keep the, keep the apple juice cold. Keep Devin's coffee. His, his Mason jar coffee is, I don't know. It looks like motor oil. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's real coffee. I think it's some type of moonshine. That he's doing while he's on the job, but to keep him, we keep that cold or hot or whatever he wants. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, I'm I'm off for the rest of the week, so Britt'll be here on Wednesday and Friday. I'm gonna be be away on vacation for the next four days, 
So, uh, so I'll, I'll probably be back on, on Monday. I think, I mean, basketball will be over. I don't know what's going on. Then NFL, are we playing NFL? Is that even coming back? I don't know what's going on, but, uh, but probably next week I'll see you again for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 